When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Trev Downey, and I'm joined by your co-host, Dave Hendrick. And this week we're going to talk about John McTiernan's Predator, a sci-fi classic, or is it just an action movie classic? Either way, it's a classic. And I really enjoyed watching it again, Dave. I I really enjoyed this. Like, it was so much fun to re-watch it. Because it's been a couple of years, and obviously it's a film that you've seen probably, you know, ten times over the years, but it's one that has sort of dropped out of the regular TV rotation, like you rarely see it on television anymore. So it was really nice to just sit down and just sort of lose yourself for a couple of hours in proper 80s, like the peak of Arnie's power type of type of situation. It was just great. He really is at his sort of magnificent looking best at this in this movie. It's every shot is just how can we maximize the bicep pump here while he's holding a big, big heavy machine gun? Well, let's lose the sleeves quickly uh, and so on and so forth. But he is an absolute uh, magnificent looking creature in this film, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, he is rivaled, at least in the uh abdominal muscle belly department by Mr. Carl Weathers, who is the reason that we decided to do this uh, after his recent departure from uh, this mortal coil. And uh, I really did enjoy watching him in it as well. And it, it, as you said last time, I think when we were setting this up at the end of the last episode, uh, it's very much the reason why we've landed on Predator. Yeah, um, like it would have been too obvious to do Rocky. And when you think of Carl Weathers, the other iconic Carl Weathers film is Predator. The other iconic Carl Weathers moment is, is that shot of the arms with him and Arnie. And, uh, he's brilliant as Al Dillon in this film. He really is tremendous. And you forget, like, because Rocky, obviously, it's, it's a, a boxing role and he's, he's quite a dislikable character for a large part of his Rocky arc with the arrogance, but you forget that he's actually a good actor. And when you, you know, when you dig into some of the stuff he's done over the years, he he does have decent acting chops. And in this film where there's a lot of steroids have been taken in the production (laughs) of this film, like he does carry a little bit of credibility in terms of his acting chops here, especially, you know, when you're looking around at like Jesse the Body Ventura, um, 
who's a, a former professional wrestler turned actor turned politician he's he's not a particularly good actor um you know like uh, bill duke not a great actor good good kind of visual actor but not not great with the old delivery of the lines and stuff like that so it needed somebody um who, who could you know carry a bit of dialogue and i, I think carl wetters is the is the main man for that. We're going to end up chatting a lot about some of those moments you've already flagged up. The meme-tastic, um, you know, uh, hand clasp um, that definitely was uh, favoured irony, I think, in terms of the way it was shot. But uh, why wouldn't everything uh, at this stage of his career, like you said, we're 87 here. This is primo um, Schwarzenegger era. Uh, McTiernan's only on his second film. Uh, and for those who don't know uh, John McTiernan's work, it's a, a bit of a wonder store of action classics in a row here. He went, he did Nomads, which I think had Pierce Brosnan, and I've never seen it. But on the strength of his um, ability to, to, to maintain tension and work with characters, create characters, apparently. They were the two things that caused the studio to give him the nod for Predator because he was, like I say, comparative unknown. Like you think of action movies now, you think of John McTiernan, but the reason you do is because he went Predator, 87, Die Hard, 88. I actually thought he had done the second one too, but that was Rennie Harlan. Then he went 1990, Hunt for Red October, which we've already mentioned. Um, he does another movie with Connery called Medicine Man in 92 and then back with Arnie again in Last Action Hero and in 93 and back again in 95 with a double header. This time he's got Bruce back on board with Die Hard with a Vengeance and then he gets Pierce back on board, I think, in the Thomas Crown Affair. I think he's in that 99. Yeah. So also in, in, in 1990 does a 13th Warrior, which I, I think is that is that Banderas and it's like Vikings or something. I, I, that's, yes, I have a vague memory of that. It's the Michael Crichton uh, novel, Eaters of the Dead. Ah, it, there you it, go. It's the, the source for that. It is, yeah. It, it's it's another interesting one, but that's a hell of a run. Oh Jesus, man! Is there a better is there a better three in a row for like that type of director than Die Hard, uh, Predator, Die Hard, and, and Red October? I mean, holy shit, that's incredible. That is, that is phenomenal. Incredible. Absolutely phenomenal run. It's the the thing that they all have in common is he's not afraid of the machismo thing, but it doesn't. I I I think you're dead right when you mentioned earlier on. It was the potential for this to just disappear up its own arse in terms of uh, overly um, steroidal um, nonsense. Now, are there throwaway one-liners? Yes. Is it very overtly macho in places? Yeah. Can we not always demonize that because sometimes it's great crack? Well, my answer is absolutely yes. And I think this one balances that really well. This is a director who knows what he's doing. The set pieces are really well handled, but you actually give a crap about all these characters. Each of them has their own little quirks. We've got Bill Duke with his 
is dry shaven and his his uh, his his uh, incredibly scary delivery. Of, he, he seems to be always on the verge of gutting someone. Um, as you said, Jesse Ventura, um, who plays Blaine, um, you know, a sort of um, uh, I I can only assume that's uh, it, what is that he's chewing and spitting out? Is it tobacco of some sort? I assume it's tobacco. Yeah, I assume it is. Although he says it turns you into a what do you call it? A, a sexual dinosaur or something what was the phrase something sexual like that t-rex a sexual t- t- yeah there you go now qu- quite what that means i'm not sure does it give you small arms i don't get it but anyway fair play to jesse so there's and obviously you've got Car- um carl and you've got arnold and there's not a, a small bicep in sight but what i love about it is he does balance the squad out well so you've got uh in terms of the rest of the squad there uh the the rest of the guys involved um you've got uh richard chavez um as poncho uh, poncho ramirez uh you've got uh sonny landham who again is a is a fine figure of a man as the uh, uh tracker billy now i have to say they've worth stopping here for a sec is there any way in hell in the year 2024 that we'd have Sonny Landon playing a tracker in a Hollywood movie? I don't think so. Might be a bit, bit of racial stereotype in there, Trev. That might, <laughs> that might be one you'd avoid in the modern day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm sorry, but it doesn't even take... I, I look at something like that and I just go, yeah, fine, so what? So, like, it, but, but, but of course, you can't do that now because we're all so concerned about everything all the time and that's apparently just a bad thing. It's just, you know, bad with a trademark beside it. Anyway, he's an interesting character. And you said earlier on, there aren't many, um, acting, uh, uh, um, giants on display here, if we're being honest. Billy's definitely in the lower end there in terms of the, 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 uh, performance side of things. Mm. He does the whole, staring off into space and looking sort of vaguely mystical thing quite well but you know it's it's left to people like Chavez and interestingly enough Shane Black to sort of fill out the story and do the little comedy bits and keep things moving um I think Arnold does very well in this Carl Weathers you mentioned does very well in this as well in terms of the actual performance uh but a word here for Mr. Shane Black, because he kind of stands out a little bit, doesn't he, in terms of this group with his big glasses and uh, his very minimal biceps. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's obviously there as the sort of uh, comedy relief. He keeps trying to tell Billy uh, sort of vaguely inappropriate for podcast jokes. Well, it feels inappropriate because it's, it's half ten in the morning when we're talking, but maybe if it was later at night, we wouldn't mind. But uh, anyway, he keeps trying to tell uh, Billy these vaguely dirty jokes and get a laugh out of him. Uh, but people, for people who don't know, Shane Black goes on to be involved with Lethal Weapon, Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he's directing Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys. So <laughs> he has quite a screenwriting career. Uh, and apparently he is going making a new Predator movie in the near future, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, and like there's been a couple of recent Predator movies. There was the, the 2018 The Predator and then Prey, which was like a direct sequel to it, and both of which were actually quite good. I didn't think I'd enjoy them because I didn't, I didn't really. I, I, the first one obviously is great. The second one is okay. It's 
it's not good, it's not bad, it's just okay. The 2010 one I thought was pretty dreadful, the Adrian Brody-led one. But the last two I have, um, I have really enjoyed. Prey was a, was actually a prequel to Predator, to the Predator. Ah. I've really enjoyed the last two. I didn't enjoy that 2010 one. And I, I must admit I haven't seen the Alien versus Predator spin-offs because the concept just seemed a little bit too ridiculous to me. So I've avoided them. I think that's probably a wise move. I've, 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 I've only heard bad things, but I am in the clueless bracket here talking about the other ones. I think I saw the, the follow up. I saw the Danny Glover one, um, that, that came. I think that was the second in the, in, was there three originally? Um, I did see the Danny Glover one and that had its merits. But I haven't seen anything since. And I, I, the only reason I was able to watch, um, this one a couple of times back to back there in comfort was because I've got, um, access to the kids, uh, uh Disney, uh, plus, uh, account. Mm. And that was, that was, Prey was popping up as the next suggested one. So I didn't realize that it's that good. was good. It's, it's worth the watch. It genuinely is worth the watch. Did you read anything or see anything as you were uh, we were thinking about doing this about um the the how this movie got off the ground first and the original um alien did you come across anything to do with that or sorry not alien but monster the predator monster I didn't I kind of avoided anything and everything around it because obviously it's 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 an older classic film so I, I didn't really want to didn't really want to go because there's, there's obviously quite a bit out there about different stories and different threads that you could pull at, but I, I just sort of avoided everything and just went full nostalgia mode on this one as if, as if it was after coming out in, in the late eighties <laughs> and I was transported back and we didn't yeah. have the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I think that's almost a very healthy way for one of us to go to each of these things. I think it's, it's a good way to do it, but there was a, a little gem of a story that I came across where, um, the original alien, if you go and look it up on YouTube, you can see it, uh, folks, it was this pinkish, like walking lizard type thing. It was absolutely horrendous looking like, like daft looking to the point that, um, McTiernan was saying, look, this is, ridiculous we can't do anything with this and guess who was running around in the suit jean-claude van damme i love that i thought that was fantastic that he was there in the suit but anyway he got binned off uh, as did the pink alien and they got in stan winston uh to do what i think is arguably some of the best hollywood creature creation ever mm. i now winston's absolutely absurd when you start looking at winston's uh, filmography and his career. It, he has uh, awards up the wazoo. He got best visual effects for aliens, two of them for Terminator 2, uh, another Oscar for visual effects in Jurassic Park, right? So already there you can see we're across three big, you know, monster based flicks. Uh, and he is just all over the shop in terms of his, uh, work. Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns. He worked with Cameron on the Terminator movies on Aliens as well. Uh, with Carpenter on the thing. This guy is Hollywood royalty. I think he passed away in 2008, but let, to say that he's known for his effects work would be you know, like mm. the biggest understatement ever. And it's amazing when you get a master at their art because I think 
you know the way you see some stuff like the opening sequence where a spaceship goes by and they drop the little probe down you go yeah that's aged a bit that's aged a bit that sort of looks like it was done in the 80s all right but once we get down and up close and personal in the jungle with this creature when it finally materializes and decloaks I don't know about you, Dave, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's a guy called Kevin Peter Hall, who's like seven foot something, who's actually playing the creature. But the initial bits where we get to see him with the mask on, I think it looks cool as fuck. And then eventually when we demask later on towards the end of the movie and we get to see this incredibly, uh, and I quote, ugly motherfucker, it's not cheesy. It's stands up really well today and that you can stare at it and not think oh my god that's daft fx i just really like i think it's a tour de force thing i think it holds up brilliantly i genuinely do like even stuff like when he's cloaked i just think it it stand it, it it just really does hold up like you said that early scene with the the probe and that like yeah that that looks that looks like it's of its time but this this film, the majority of the effects in this film are just phenomenally done. And obviously, this is decades before CGI. Yeah. This is when there was real skill and craft involved. Now, it looked as incredible skill and craft involved in CGI, but it is, you know, lads sitting at a computer. This is, this is quite a bit more. I, I just think it's phenomenally done. I really do. Like even like the, the, the cloaking effect is incredible. And you just see that shimmer move across the screen. It's just so well done. So if so, we've we're already off to the races here in that we've got right probably the most iconic movie uh, action movie star ever uh, in Arnold, and you've got like a supporting cast of um, you know uh, high testosterone, high machismo, big bicep lads. You've got fantastic. Uh, hardware in terms of this was the era, Dave, where you know you watch Alien or Aliens as well. Every gun has to have a rocket launcher as well for maximum blowing up effect. Because again, it's the eighties; everything's got to blow the fuck up. And there's something to me, my inner kid, what, what like when we were just before we were born even like my dad was in the army so we grew up with this feeling of interest for all things military myself and my brother and i used to get like the elite magazine and i i I would be an an expert back then like before the age of 10 on the various uh submachine guns and I, i was obsessed with this stuff and so something about that movie then when you see it really tickles you now if i'm being honest 87 i probably didn't see it at the time you know i probably saw it a couple of years later on 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 d on vhs um and it's an absolute action fest in terms of the hardware the look of it the guys are like stereotypical action heroic types You've got the banter over and back. You've got the one-liners that, yeah, are sometimes a little bit forced, but, you know, it's great crack. And it's the first time you've ever seen that stuff because the 80s is when that was uh, sort of debuted as a thing. And all of those come together really well in this in terms of, like, it is a, a, it's the archetypal action movie, isn't it, this one? Oh, it is, yeah, absolutely. I can remember the first time I saw this film. Oh, so this came out when I was five, so obviously didn't see it at the time. 
So a few years later, I'm about, I think, seven or eight. And my folks are gone out for the night. And there's a babysitter, right? And she's watching. It's on RTE or whatever we're showing it. And she's watching in our sitting room. And I'm meant to be in bed. And I've snuck down and I've sat on the stairs. And I'm watching it through a gap. (laughs) Because the door's not closed. And I'm sitting there absolutely transfixed watching this, this film trying my best not to make any kind of noise because because otherwise I'll be rumbled trying not to be too scared when the alien takes off his mask because otherwise I'll be completely rumbled and I sat there <laughs> in complete silence for I'd say it might have been on five ten minutes by the time I, I ventured down and I sat there in complete silence for the entirety of the film and then sucked my way back up to bed and I didn't sleep a wink all night. <laughs> Terrified. <laughs> yeah, and you see, you forget, you forget that the impact these things have on you when you're young. I, on our TV shows one last week, I was telling you that the intro to The Incredible Hulk, uh, had me rattled for years. And it's amazing, little things like that. I, I know, uh, my missus brother, when uh, he saw Jaws for the first time, had, you know, like weeks of sleepless nights afterwards. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You forget, you know, when you're in that childish uh, phase or actual actual child phase, that you, your imagination is incredibly uh, uh, bright and vivid and impressionable. And these things, these Hollywood confections can have a massive impact mm. in terms of just a lasting effect. Um, and, you know, when I started getting into action movies and, and getting VHS tapes and stuff like that, it was Lethal Weapon, which came out, I think, 87 as well. Yeah. Um, that made a massive impact on me. I mean, I, for, for, for years, like, I, I would had Mel Gibson and, and Kenny Dalglish as the only people who I, I thought were, like, worthy of admiration. You know what I mean? These guys can have a massive impact on you. Like, I used to know the dialogue from Lethal Weapon. Um, Arnie was not so much for me, but for my brother and his pals, was the absolute man and also Stallone. Then you had to watch all the Stallone movies. Yeah. And this action movie franchise thing really started building up ahead of steam. But you have to remember that this is one of the early sort of adapters. This is one of the, 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 the trend setting films, um, in that regard. The, the, the touchstone moments are all over the place. But you you know what you're getting almost immediately when you see the team arriving in the choppers. You've got this over and back between them, um, sort of a, a bit vaguely established. But the initial uh, arrival of Arnie, the big stogie, the hat, the shades, he goes up and he shakes hands with his ex-commanding officer and 
he reminds us that he's looking well, right? It's important that you get those lines in there as well. And the whole cigar chomping thing, and then we get introduced to Dylan, who's sitting in a kind of smoky room in the background. He's got a shirt and tie on because he's CIA. And this is where I wanted to just get a bit of a jump off with you, because, you know, when you're watching one of these movies like you were when you were like watching from the stairs or the next time you watched it in uh, part of more comfort, a bit older, probably watching it on VHS or whatever. Uh, the plot points make very little sense to you. You're not even vaguely arsed, to be honest. You just wanted to loll on to the next section where someone gets a gun out or shoots a rocket uh, launcher or whatever. Um but these 80s movies often have these hard-bitten plots that if you have any geopolitical knowledge at all back then, it would have made it so much more interesting. So when I'm coming back here and I say, oh, my God, Dylan's a CIA guy who's uh, trying to get a, 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 a information and a rescue mission going on because there's a potential Russian-led invasion going on in a, a jungle a launch from a jungle with a load of gorillas uh, and you're thinking okay cia fuckery uh you know puppet dictators what, what's next and of course all that stuff goes over your head as a kid of course it does yeah like especially like now it's obviously a bit more um easy to understand but like back then there was a lot of cloak and dagger and a lot of secrecy around the cia and you, you weren't overtly been told that they're just a dreadful gang of lads who can't keep their noses out of everybody else's business the way we know that they they are now yeah um but yeah i mean they did like you said that just the introduction to arnie and you're like well this is this is the main guy i mean there's there's no other way to look at it other than this is the main guy we now know who the main guy in this film is going to be because how could it be anyone that doesn't look like this fella The the look is such a huge formative part of what made Hollywood action cinema. Like I'm I'm not I'm not over egging it when I say that I think they actually very cynically probably thought about each shot as Arnie approaches the camera through this. By the way, magnificent jungle setting. I, I I don't think there's a more vivid uh example of the environment becoming almost like a character it's incredible yeah. it really like the way the jungle is a character in and of itself in this but each shot where arnie's approaching the camera it is maximized to show the full uh pump on both biceps you know he's been doing a few cur- bicep curls just before he picks up the gun and it's 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 all about every it's the 80s thing of everything bigger everything better everything more explosive and it's at this stage, it's not offensive yet. I think it only gets offensive in the 90s and the early 2000s where you have the the emergence of uh, what a film critic referred to once as weightless violence, which I really like because it's just that all uh, buildings falling down. You don't give a shit. We're still back in the, you know, A-team era of blowing uh, j- Jeeps up and lads going slow motion through the air. And it's a lot less... It's a lot less uh, um, high tech, and as a result, I I find a lot of fondness for it, Dave. I I actually like this type of old fashioned action. Oh, so do I. No, I love it. It's interesting though. You, you look you look back at Arnie's filmography, and you look at the run he's on up until Predator. So, 
in in eighty two he does Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. And the 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 picture for that film is a topless Arnie looking absolutely like Mr. Universe. Yeah, otherworldly. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's even amongst bodybuilders, you will, uh, you'll hear like there was actually nobody who looked like him. The, it's, it's a proportion thing as well. So he had all that kind of thing going for him, genetics and all the rest of going for him that he's that kind of inverted pyramid shape that like, you know, even gymnasts have, but then you go and you inflate him. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Colon Destroyer then is again, it's, it's him topless holding a sword you know bicep absolutely rinsed to the max terminator is terminator but then he does red sonya again there's biceps on the the main poster commando again you're getting the good shot of the bicep raw deal another angled shot of the bicep and then this one and when i, I was reading about this um on the Wikipedia page the other day. So both Arnie and John McTiernan lost about 25 pounds during the filming of this movie. Now McTiernan was because he barely ate for the whole time they were in Mexico because he had some health concerns about eating the food. And he was one of the only ones that wasn't struck down with a desperate dose of, of diarrhea. So probably a wise decision. But Arnie chose to lose weight. He chose to do a cut to sort of maximize how ripped he would look. And then I was reading that he also, he shipped weights at great personal expense to the middle of the jungle where they were filming this. (laughs) And every morning before they'd film, he'd do like a proper intense workout, like you said, to maximize the pump so that when he had any kind of shot where his arm was in any way bent or whatever the biceps would just look at at their very very best so like it it just it, it speaks to the legend of arnie that like the primary concern was never going to be the delivery of the dialogue it was going to be how do my biceps look in this shot yeah yeah he's leaning over uh pointing very obviously to get both uh forearm pump and uh delts and biceps uh as he says get to the chopper you know that's the most important thing is does the arm look good and you know hats off to the lad it's just it's it's i i I, these things are very important to some people i don't want to make little of it I think I think it's a, a hugely significant part of the whole action um, evol- genre evolution is is Arnie and his dedication to oh, 100%. looking otherworldly, right? It's 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 really important. Like Stallone had to match it, then you know, and the next guy has to match it, and everyone else has to try at least try to match it. You've got then the likes of Bruce Willis who goes, "Ah, fuck it, <laughs> you know, I'm, just, I'm just a lad." In a, just in a, give me my vest, and and I'm fine. <laughs> But like it's true though. But like the the great thing about Arnie as well is that like, so Arnie at this point is forty when he makes is, this. Is film. he fuck? Is he forty? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like what's what's crazy is so he's a seven time Mister Olympia winner and a four time Mister Universe winner, which speaks to what you were saying about you know the 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 kind of the level of bodybuilding that he got to. But yeah, he's forty when he makes this film. And he's he is in the midst of one of the great runs in terms of uh, action movies. 
But what you notice after this movie is he starts to take on some different types of roles. Yeah. Like he does things like twins a year later. He does kindergarten cop a couple of years later. And like, he still obviously does Terminator two. He does last action hero, but he's, he's rounding out what he's able to do because he knows he's got at least the, the sort of, um, awareness that, there's only a certain length of time, even for somebody as genetically gifted as him, that him with his shirt off and his biceps absolutely bulging is going to be a selling point. Yeah. He knows he's going to have to be able to do other films. And to his great credit, like twins, I, Danny DeVito is, is, is a comedic genius, but Arnie holds his own in that film. He holds his own in Kindergarten Cop. He holds his own when he does junior in 94, he's able to, and part of it is part of it is the accent as well. Like the, the delivery of the lines and the way he speaks. But with the one thing I really admire about Arnie is that he didn't just sort of like, we saw a lot of action heroes in, in the seventies and eighties that blew up, had like a three or four year run and then disappeared. Yeah. But Arnie was able to sustain his level. And now like Arnie will do like the last Terminator or he did the Expendables movies and you still buy him as an action hero because he's got the acting hero legacy, but he's been able to like make his career so much bigger than just action films, even though that's what he'll always be known for. Was the, was the last time that he was ever really sort of this, like, look at me now, um, demanding look at me. Was that, was it something like True Lies or something like that? Maybe was, would that have been the last? Probably the, about then. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I did see a razor in 96 and I won't lie to you. I watched it with a few of my pals, uh, who were their express reason for watching it was, Let's watch this and sneer at the cheesy action film. Um, so I, I don't have a proper memory of that at all. Jingle all the way and Batman and Robin are not good. Um, and then you've got end of days in 99, which I just recently rewatched and it's tremendous crack with Gabriel Byrne as the devil. And I heartily recommend anyone watch it. But Schwarzenegger's evolved at that stage. He's the, you know, um, uh, putting a, a, a antacid into a blender uh, with a bit of a cigar and a few other bits in the morning. He's like the disheveled cop thing. So he has evolved into like, you, you, it's not just look at me anymore. Yes, there's a feral uh, unit of a man there. He's obviously still in tremendous shape, but that's not what it's about. And I think you're right. That evolution was important. And the fact that he, he managed to maintain the career, because he did decide, you know what, I think I can do this comedy stuff. Now, here's mm. where I've got a question for you. Can he do that comedy stuff? Because we know he can be a little bit, it's, he's not the most natural uh, in terms of delivery and, but he does this, he's this sort of mugging thing that he does. He's making faces and we can all imagine, we can all now picture the Arnie face where he's like, stressed or shocked or whatever and we all know the little arnie voice the noises in the back of the throat that we can all mock and listen we've all watched the simpsons and seen rainier wolf castle right yeah. this guy is ripe for parody do you think there's a certain knowing thing about schwarzenegger that he probably does fully understand the limits of his ability oh yeah but, but he also understands i can do this comedy shit and this will this will prolong my career yeah and i'll, and I'll ham it up 
and like I said, a, a lot of it is the is the delivery, and it's because he has he's, he's still got quite a heavy accent. Yeah. Like I, I don't think if Arnie had just the bog standard American accent, if his name was just Arnold Schwartz and he was like second or third generation American, I don't think he'd have been able to. He he he'd have been fine for the the action films because it was more about the look than anything else. But when he goes into the more comedic stuff later on, I do think, I do think the there was a not not a, a sympathy towards him is probably the wrong word, but he was given a little bit more rope than others would have been, because people will always go, oh, it's not his first first language after all. So if his delivery is a little wooden, that's part of it. But it's part of the Arnie charm as well. Now I'll strongly disagree with John Jingle all the way. That's 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 a tremendous bit of crack that is. Well, you know what? I I I I I spoke without knowledge. I just I've seen the trailer and I made an assumption. So I may have called it. Batman and Robin is, might be the worst film <laughs> ever conceived. It's. Do you know what's really interesting though? After playing a real cheesy character in Batman and Robin, was he Iceman or Ice? Yeah, Mister Ice or Mister Freeze. Mister Freeze. Freeze. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous and knowingly so. And high camp as is that entire um, uh, effort. In 1997, we've just talked about how he made a real sort of conscious drift towards doing comedic roles and things mm. that were, uh, but look at his run after that. So there's end of days in 99, the sixth day in 2000, collateral damage 2002, Terminator 3 in 2003, the expendables 1, 2, the last stand, escape plan, expendables 3, we're up to 2014 now, and sabotage, which I yeah. don't know. All of those, every single one of them, is an action movie. Yes. It's almost as if he's gone, oh, no, fuck it. I'm, I'm far more cozy toting around an Uzi and uh, looking vaguely threatening and hulking around and things. But it's it's all of those ones you would imagine. Again, I'm not an Expendables uh, expert. I did see the first one. But they're all sort of playing off their own sort of stereotypes and their yeah. own their own legends in each of those as far as i can work out right um it's 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 stallone getting the lads together again but like it, it's it's weird that he lurched back into that heavy action genre after looking like he was really establishing himself as able to carry himself as a, a comedy uh hero yeah and like the thing as well is obviously he he, he was the governor of california for a number of years and was able to ride that out and then, and then have like a, a pretty sizable comeback in the action thing. But I, I think you're right. I think with the expendables, like he's a seven year gap between Terminator three, which admittedly isn't great and the expendables. But, and is but that, the, is that the prime governor era? Is that what you're telling me? Is that was that when I'm he was going full bore? When, when was he? So he was go, yeah, he was governor from 03 to 2011. There you go. So, that's so he what takes that, that break to, yeah. to do, to do that. But with the expendables, like the whole idea for Stallone was these are, you know, these are the lads that were around with me and many of them have been forgotten. People like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. yeah. Like he was a, a huge star. And then he just disappeared. Like yeah. he was, he looked in Rocky like he was going to be the next Arnie. Like he was going to be Arnie level. Like he had that type of pull. And then it just all disappeared. And I think with Stallone, the idea was we'll play hammed up versions of ourselves as these action heroes. 
and it'll all just be a great bit of crack and sure we'll all we'll all laugh. And for Arnie, it was a way back into the action genre. And like, you know, he after the two Expendables ones, he does, like you said, the last stand escape plan, which is him and Stallone again, which is I, I actually think is a decent enough film. Um, Sabotage Maggie, Terminator Genesis, Aftermath, Killing Gunter, which is a kind of a mockumentary job. Another Terminator, Iron Mask. Like he's back doing these action films that really do kind of fit in. And the mad thing is, like, this is a man who's in it was in his seventies making some of these films. Too old really to be an action hero, but there's a nostalgic nature that he's now capitalizing on, where he knows that people still, you know, do the get the chopper or I'm a cop, you idiot. Like the classic Arnie lines that I'll be back. <laughs> they know he he knows that he's become very meme worthy. Like he's he seems to be fairly well aware that there is this idea of Arnie and that people do Arnie. And he's just playing up to it and he's taking advantage of it. And I think fair play to him. Like he's had the great action run through the seventies and eighties, the comedic run with the through the nineties with like you know, a couple of action movies thrown in and a, the odd stinker here and there like Batman. And then he's Taking the break to go and do the, 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 pol- uh, the politician thing. And he, he's come back then into the action genre and gone, you know what? This is where I'm from. So this is just what I'm going to do. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, you know what? I'm just going to do it for me because this is what I have fun doing. And if I can show off my bicep and at 74 years of age, it looks better than most 34 years of age fellas, then so be it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting to see him now. We had sorry, dirty's baby, a little bit me with the whole screw your freedoms thing there <laughs> during the height of uh, lockdown and COVID and all the rest of it. But also then, I found him very, I found it very endearing to see him sharing his lunch with a donkey in the house. <laughs> you know, he's obviously he's obviously li- living up to uh yeah. Old established celebrity, I can be as quirky as, he, quirky as I want. And like you say, the guy has earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants to do in front of a camera at this point. And if, here's the thing: if people want to go and see it, like who's he to say no, right? And mm. it's unlike a lot of the people that we've covered recently. It's not like he's doing it. At least I don't think so. Like he's doing it because um, he's got to pay these outrageous tax bills because that increasingly dave it's so sad to see including the director here today yeah it's the story you keep hearing apparently mctiernan invested in some massive ranch and then it just sort of went bust and then he had to you know get back he had a bit of an issue where he, he had a falling out with a producer and he hired a private investigator to illegally tap your man's phones and there was a whole big thing over that and i think he ended up I think he did some prison time over that and had huge legal bills that he couldn't afford to pay. And like you said, he had this ranch that was, I think it's like, it's, it's three, nearly three, it's 3,254 acre ranch, which was, was, you know, losing a bit of money and whatever else. So that got foreclosed on. He couldn't pay his tax bill. I think he ended up going back to prison then as a result of that. They just for a long time he had a lot of problems because you you listed out his his run like from from Predator on through to the Thirteenth Warrior 
He does Rollerball in 2002, which is absolutely fucking woeful. Um, and then he did Basic in 03, and then he just disappears. And like, at the, at that time, he was only 52 years of age, and, and you would have thought, like, what he's done, the gravitas of having directed Predator, Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, Die Hard with Vengeance, which, you know, they're all great films. He, he'll be able to work as long as he wants, but he's, he's become like toxic because of what went on and he's never had the opportunity to sort of get his feet back under him financially because no one will touch him. Jeez, it's, it's mad that, that he hasn't worked since 2003 because you are talking about a guy. I mean, I've told you before, I flirted briefly with. Yeah, trying to break into acting and realized I didn't have the patience for being told what to do. So therefore I wasn't very good at working with directors who I thought were shit. And therefore I was never going to make it as an actor. That's just the short version of it. But my brother really did have a good old, um, run at the indie cinema circuit in, in Ireland here, got lots of budget and stuff like that. So we were sort of always immersed in that film stuff, uh, in our late teens, early twenties together. And, you know, we got, you get to the stage where you're a little bit of a film snob, for example, uh, when you start wanting to make your own stuff and you're looking for the best possible examples and that type of thing. And we'd often have conversations that an awful lot of people might think were wanky, but European cinema, whatever. Um, but he would always say McTiernan is a genius because Mm. because you really give a shit what's happening scene to scene in Die Hard. Die Hard's a, a, an absolute gold nugget of a film. Um, Red October is the same. But this one that we're talking about today is the same for that same reason. It's really, you can, it's amazing. It's hard to maybe, it's hard to maybe break it down. Um, I saw someone try to do it a couple of years ago with McTiernan. It's hard to possibly break it down so that, you know, it makes anything interesting to listen to or even watch. But there's something there in terms of a steady pair of hands and a guy who knows exactly what his vision for this film is, understands how to keep you motivated in terms of the plot, understands how to keep the character arcs interesting and the interactions between them interesting. What you're seeing on the screen, I saw one fantastic thing from that was that he really thinks about his shot. So he'll have Arnie... um, uh, indicate forward as he's in a close-up looking through some binoculars and then we'll move forward to what he's seeing and then we'll see that guy indicating backwards and we'll move backwards to where they are and just simple things like that really bring the audience along with you in terms of the camera work uh you sometimes directors will just fob that off onto a cinematography guy but the really good ones the ones that go on to be known as auteurs like uh, Scorsese, they give a shit and they basically do the camera work themselves in their own head beforehand. Mm. McTiernan's like that too. And it, like, uh, that is a, a remarkable body of work. And the fact that he hasn't lifted a, a finger to, in Hollywood since 2003 is, that's a bit of a tragedy, man. It is. Like, like you said, like, he was a, he is a genius. And, and I'm sure in, in the last 20 years, he's had, multiple great ideas for films and probably some films that came along that would have would have been perfectly suited to him would have gone to him went to others and and ended up becoming nothing because they didn't have the same type of vision as he would have had they didn't have that same sort of creative juice that he would have had like some of the ways that they shoot the predator in this film are just fantastic like the way the upshots of him 
to give him that feeling of being much bigger than a human before there's any interaction between the predator and the actual humans, you know that he's much, much bigger than them. It's not just that scene where he pins Arnie to the tree. Now, Arnie, as it turns out, is only about 5'11". Back yeah. then, there was this idea that Arnie was like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, but the scene where he pins Arnie to the tree, to, to, to the tree and the shot is of their feet, and the predator stood on the ground, and Arnie's feet are about a foot off, yeah. flailing away. And then it, the camera pans up, and the predator is still head and shoulders above Arnie. And you're like, oh, well, this guy's about eight foot, eight or nine foot tall, because Arnie, as we know, is six three, six four. <laughs> yeah. Huge, like. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just, it's brilliantly done. Um, but apparently that was that was McTierney. He he would wander around this jungle region, and he would look for the perfect spot for a certain a certain scene that he wanted, you know, to capture something, whether it was just the sheer rugged nature of the jungle, what they were having to deal with, the this this rescue party, what they were what they were working through. Like it's just it's brilliantly done. It, it, it's a it's a it's a really good film. Like it just is a really good film that often just gets sort of overlooked because oh it's just irony in an action film but it's actually a really good film uh, it is and when you get a, an action film that's a really good film like the aforementioned die hard you that you're you're onto an absolute winner then because you're just catering to every possible audience and the people even who are maybe not that sophisticated or interested in terms of their movie tastes they understand when they're watching a good film because you, you just it, it it the quality level is just apparent and it really is apparent in this one too. And at this stage, we should probably give a shout out to the guy who normally was the one that gave us the sort of um, inclination to do this um, um, particular film, and that's Carl Weathers. And again, you you and I will often default to the uh, great source of potential disinformation that is wikipedia but i came across something i was reading about this last week uh that carl weathers used to be a uh, professional footballer like he had a solid college football mm. career i think uh, i i did remember who it was with uh, san diego i think um but then he actually did play some pro ball with um with the oakland raiders and I just absolutely love this because it brings in a couple of different things that are very noteworthy that apparently he got released, I think it was 70, 71, something like that by the Raiders. And the reason quoted to him by John Madden, John Madden, mind you, the coach was, you're just too sensitive, <laughs> which, which I absolutely love. It's fantastic. And so Carl makes his way like so many other maybe too sensitive uh, pro athletes uh, into acting because, you know, well, why not try this? It, if effectively what people are, who are doing that are saying is, well, I'm a massive show off and I really want to show off. So acting seems like a thing. Let's try that. And, you know, there's literally no guarantee. In fact, most of the times I'm sure that that's attempted. Uh, it's a disaster. We probably shouldn't talk too much about O.J. Simpson, but I will say I think he had some chops, actually, as an actor, not quite as bad as some people would have thought. Um, 
so there's precedent there, even in terms of that uh, sport and Hollywood. But this guy just, he does, he does it quite seamlessly. Now, listen, nobody's saying that he's going to be up for Olivier Awards. And you mentioned earlier on the, uh, the filmography, which is like, I mean, it's solid in terms of the, the movies that he's involved in. He's Magnum Force there at the start and Close Encounters and Force 10 from Navarone and, uh, Rocky movies, all of them, four, four of them he's involved in. Predator. And I remember Action Jackson in 1988 and wanted to be able to see it, but I couldn't see it for whatever reason. I never got around to it. Then he was in those Happy Gilmore movies and, uh, Little Nicky and it's kind of diminishing, uh, returns after that, if we're being perfectly honest. So it's compared to some of the people we've spoken about here, it's far from, stellar in terms of the filmography but in terms of the kind of character that you want him to play like in this the sort of vaguely gray area cia man who absolutely can hold his own as an action star and if you pull him in a vest that those abdominal abdominal muscles are gonna basically act themselves off the screen anyway uh, that arm is going to keep on firing the gun uh, in perfectly pumped bicep mode. This is a guy who's uh, you know a, an absolute specimen, but but he can carry those roles that have a bit of emotional heft, like the Rocky one mm. and like this one when he needs to. Because there's a couple of scenes towards the end of this where there's a sort of uh, there there's a sort of a couple of steps back towards each other between Dutch and Dylan, where Dylan realizes, ah, oh, shit, everything's gone to crap. It's, it's, it's all my fault. I've put these guys right in the mixer here. And he goes off chasing after Mac, uh, who's lost the plot at the end of the film here. That's Bill Duke's character. Um, and Arnie says, that's not your style. And he goes, well, you know, basically, uh, I, 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 I might be able to get something right here. And I thought you, you can't be a shit actor. And pull that off. He, he, he has, mm. he has that sort of moral center to him, which I like. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd agree. I, I, I would say like his, his run of films, there's, there's a couple of massive hits. And like you said, then there's kind of diminishing returns. I would say like f- with Carl Weathers, the, the real area that he thrived in was actually TV. Yeah. Um, he did street justice, which was, you know, was, decent he's in in the heat of the night which i i love and i've rewatched multiple times um he did chicago pd and then that led into a leading role in chicago justice which was i thought a good show that was cancelled after a year and his most recent run was in the mandalorian like it was almost like he used a lot of these films as a proving ground for himself to sort of to learn how to act and to get his name out there and get recognition. And then he was able to parlay that into quite a successful TV career. Yeah. Which, you know, to his credit, he, he worked solidly up until his death, which is no mean feat considering he first started acting in 1973. So you're looking at 50 years of him as an actor up until, up until his passing. Cause he, he just finished doing, um, the Mandalorian third season fourth season third season i think um could have been second season i don't know i only watched the first season of it i haven't watched anything else third season <clears throat> so he did, did, did three seasons of that like he's worked 50 years and like you said like he had a short football career as a professional 
and was cut for being too sensitive. And I think he had a year or two that we went and played in the Canadian Football League where you know, they'd be a bit more sensitive in Canada anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but like that, that alone is not like his name recognition coming into the film world wasn't big enough to carry a 50 year career. So he's had to earn that career, which is, you know, I, I do think testament to the fact that he does show decent chops. There's some good delivery in this film. You you can see the sort of, you know, that at the beginning, he's that kind of, you know, he's, he's a former army GI, whatever, you know, whatever um, commando type of thing. And he's become this CIA guy. So he's got that kind of suave, cool kind of appearance. And he's a little bit emotionless, but then, as the film goes on and you see him reconnect with these people that have been his friends and you see him start to have that moral quandary of like, these, these are my friends and they're dying and it's all my fault type of thing. Like that's, that's pretty impressive and it plays out very well. I'm fairly sure as well that he pitched up in at least one episode of the shield at one point. I could be wrong, but I, th- I, I think he I remember. Did. He did. He was in two episodes of The Shield. In 2003, wow. he was in Haunts, and 2007, he was in Partners. So, yeah. There you go. Two episodes of Shields. He was in four episodes of Arrested Development, where he played, like, a kind of spoofy version of himself. Um, and like, it's, is- it's a good run, TV-wise. Like, he's he's done he's done bits in a lot. And he, like, he was in an episode of Eeyore. He was in an episode of Psych. Um... He was in an episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah, he's he, like he's he's had he's had his fingers into a lot of different pies on in terms of TV. Back in the day, he was in an episode of Starsky and Hutch. Which, I mean, to be fair, right? If 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 he'd only ever done Al Dillon and uh, Apollo Creed, like you, you've got your star there on the on the walkway, as far as I'm concerned. That's their two huge, huge roles, and I, I love him in this. I think he's fantastic. He's got one of the most iconic action movie deaths you'll ever see, with the the lopping off of the arm as it continues to fire that machine gun. It, it's unbelievable mid eighties action, um, spectacular. But. Before we finish up, I do want to get into the weeds a little bit on a couple of the key moments that you liked in the film, because people are going to want to hear a few of those. And we've talked about the characters. We've talked about the, 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 the actors themselves. We've talked about the director. Uh, we've talked about the effects and all the rest of it. And without breaking down the plot, because we don't want to do that. It's just, it takes too long. There are the memories that I have of this, right? The ones that stuck in my head. And I said, I said to you, there was about 20 years between me seeing it recently and then seeing it again recently. Mm. Um, and the first time I saw it ages ago on VHS. And I think it was only the, maybe I saw it then once further on TV, but there was about a 20 year gap. It was a long time. I, I was, it wasn't one of those ones I've watched on a heavy rotation basis, like a diehard or whatever, or a lethal weapon. But the things that remained in my head were, you know the minigun, because I told you earlier on, I was like a little um uh, NRA boy at the age of <laughs> at the age of seven or eight. I was big, big into my guns and rifles. The minigun was just so fucking cool, Dave. I loved it. I loved that they called it old painless. That, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> I loved the scene where uh 
Mac, yeah, has just lost the plot, right? He's seen the thing the first time. It's done Blaine in, who's his best pal. There's a couple of real touching scenes after Blaine's dead. That's Jesse Ventura's character. And, you know, Mac's putting the little, uh, the little, uh, silver, uh, um, hip flask in with him and saying, I'm going to get, don't worry, brother, I'll get even for you and stuff like that. And it, it, you actually really buy it. Bill Jake's quite convincing in a very scary way. He's one thing you'd say about that guy. You see him, anything you ever see him in, because he does t- tend to play these heavies or like, um, sort of crooked cops and stuff like that. He has presence, that guy. Uh, but he loses the head and starts screaming into the jungle and starts firing. And then everyone arrives and it's just the most gratuitous shoot 'em up you have ever seen. It's purebred deforestation of the jungle. Yeah. Like they fucking clear an area with, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of rounds are getting fired there by everybody having the time of their lives firing their guns pop off an odd rocket from your rocket launcher as well. That little sequence, you know, and the fact that we had the minigun and the, the, I think Max using the minigun. And at the end of that sequence, he's got his finger in the, on the trigger and the, the, the barrel's just going round and round and round. You got that whine, but there's no rounds left and he's clearly lost it. Those things really stick in your mind. Another one from Mac that really stuck in my mind was, you know, when we see the boys coming in first and, uh, on the way to the mission, they're playing that, um, uh, gonna have me some fun tonight song, right? Uh, and it's very much part of the, the, it's again, it's classic eighties, you know, the, the sound effects or the, the soundtrack to, to the lads having a bit of banter over and back. And there's that great moment between Blaine and, 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 uh, Carl Weathers character, Al Dillon, you know, you, that's a nasty habit you've got there, all that kind of stuff. That music comes back as Mac is charging off on his solo mission of vengeance a little bit later on, and he's singing the song to himself completely out of tune. Him doing the dry shaving. Mac's got a lot of iconic moments in this. Yeah. Any other ones for you to jump out? The the dry shaving one. Like, you look at it, you go, like, why the fuck has he put a razor in his pocket to go into the jungle and, and do this? Yeah. Like, And the, the scene where he, like, He's shaving and he's shaving and he's shaving and then he presses it into his skin and it cuts him and the razor snaps. But there's no grimace of pain. There's no, like, it's like you said, he's lost his connection to the real world. So that's really good. There's this, the scene where they kind of pull back the bush and there's all these skinned bodies and you're like, Oof, oh, this is, yeah. this is terrifying now. This is, this is going to be something. Very, very scary. So, like, it that must have that little... you right up on the stairs as a kid. Oh, <laughs> terrified! Absolutely terrified. The minigun thing is hilarious, though, because, like, generally the purpose of those guns is that they're mounted to like a helicopter or a Humvee or a ship, and these boys are just toting it around in the middle of the jungle, like, yeah. <laughs> but this, the scene, the scene you mentioned where, like, they unload however many tens and tens of thousands of of rounds and there's only one scene where one of them reloads the gun (laughs) otherwise and it's like the funny thing is you mentioned earlier that mctiernan did last action hero which kind of spoofs a lot of the hollywood action stuff and the kid says to arnie's character about how the guns never have to be reloaded 
But you never would have thought of that as you're watching the Predator. You're, you're just you're watching Predator. You're just seeing them shoot, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, like they're, obviously they're just shooting in the hope of hitting whatever. Yeah. It doesn't trigger in your brain. Should they not have to reload at some point? And These boys are just firing away as if there's an endless supply until that 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 at the end where the minigun runs out of rounds yeah. and it's just that horrendous, that horrible, grindy, whirry noise. It's 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 just like it's such a fun film. It's it's got fright factor. It's got lots of steroids. It's got lots and lots of testosterone. It's and the one-liners, Dave. The one and there's some, yeah, there's some brilliant one-liners. So remember, you've got Arnie basically pins a lad to the to the to the uh, a wall with a big knife. Stick around, and then there's uh, another one as he barges through a door. Knock, knock. Right. Uh, when they get out, all painless for the first time, the two lads payback time. You know, and then later on, as Blaine, that's Jesse Ventura. Uh, his is uh staring off into the middle distance after one of the first assaults by the um by the predator i think uh one of the guys i think it's shane black's character says hey you're bleeding and he goes i ain't got time to bleed you know <laughs> it's just it's just, just brilliant like it is absolutely like, brilliant and you mentioned them earlier like shane black telling the terrible jokes yeah <laughs> like for, for a little bit of comedic relief but like it's the it's it's not just the it's the awkward delivery and the explaining of the jokes as well. That's like, the best it, part. His, yeah. His character is such, is such a relief from all the others. It's a, it's really, really well done and really well cast. It, it, like this might also be the, the only film with two future governors of US states. So see Jesse Ventura was the governor oh, wow. of Minnesota yeah, for, yeah. from oh, oh, from 99 to 03, I think. Um, and he was, him doing that was actually the, the inspiration for Arnie to run for office. Cause he'd been, he was a wrestler. He had some sort of weird blood clotting thing in his lungs. He became a commentator. He became an actor. And then he moved into politics and he became the mayor of a region in Minnesota or Minneapolis, like some part, like a kind of a, a suburb or whatever. And then went on to become, become a governor. And it was quite highly thought of, I think, in, in a lot of ways as, as a governor. But like, just to have two of them, like two big muscle bound lunatics go on to, it's, it speaks a lot to the American political, political system. <laughs> it does. It really does. It does. Um, you, you know, he, he actually, to be fair to Jesse as well, He's a very impressive looking dude and at this stage mm. of his life. Uh, I, didn't he have the nickname The Body? I assume that's the on body, the back yeah. of, the, of the wrestling stuff. That's got, all that stuff goes over my head. I never had any um, uh, knowledge of it at all. Um, never followed it. So I, I was just aware that he was one. But you know, it's, it, it's in terms of just other little things you want to, you want little set pieces you want to mention. Of course, it's the 80s. It's an action movie. You spoke about MacGyver and we spoke about the A-Team on our TV mm. show one. There has to be a sequence where they, what, what I used to call when I was a kid, where they do a make, right? And so you have the original one where the whole team is trying to set up to trap the Predator. But then you have the absolute daddy of them all later on where it's just Arnie versus Predator uh, versus Predator, and he sets up all these traps. He has time, of course, because the mud stays cool on his body 
for all that time. And he's, he has time to um, pull things down in a way they're definitely going to show his lats off to the best possible way and his abdominals. Uh, and he has time to fashion all these stakes and spikes and dropping things uh, from, from, um, from vines that are miraculously uh, uh, um, uh, tensile. But you don't care. It's an it's an eighties action movie. There has to be a make. It's yet another yeah. set piece box ticked. And you know, in the end, you get the payoff of the thing dropping from the from the height that he's 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 dragged up there, the big heavy log that actually does for the predator in the end. Yeah, exactly. Like it it's 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 just it 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 takes a lot of the eighties action boxes while also you know, giving you some some just brilliant scenes, brilliant shots. You mentioned the one-liners earlier on. It, it's just, it's a really fun film, but it is a good film. It's not like one of them kind of bad films that you rewatch because it's just funny. Um, it, it's actually, it is actually a good film, and it, and it it holds up really well, which is which is what I'm so impressed by. It holds up really, really well. I guess if you put Schwarzenegger and a good director and a good story, like say with Cameron or here with McTiernan, you are onto a winner and it has been very enjoyable to look back and we should obviously at some stage have mentioned, uh, Silvestri's score, which I, I, I think is kind of un, underrated in terms of it really does drive the film. And even as the film's ending and you've got the, um, chopper heading off into the sunset. We get that sort of driving, uh, action part of the score coming back over it again. It's a little bit unnerving because we thought we'd won, right? And we thought it was all over, but that score comes back to indicate there's more danger ahead or more, something like that. And we had the little throwaway comment by, uh, Anna, the, the, the rebel that they capture, uh, about how her people had these stories of, um, these creatures who would come in incredibly hot weather, this demon, sorry, who would come in incredibly hot weather and, um, uh, basically take the skin off the, 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 the local men. It's, you know, mm. there was some, uh, terrifying name about a demon. And we're wondering, oh, is this a regular thing that predators drop down from the sky in really hot conditions? Um, so it's, it's well set up almost, I think, in that way for the sequel, whether the sequel did the business or not. I don't know, but I've enjoyed the hell out of, of looking back on this one. Um, we've ticked a few boxes now. We might get a little bit away from the action-y style next time round. I'm not really sure what you think, uh, but we've done to kind of two in a row now. Any, yeah. Anything sort of jumping out at you or, or any kind of genres jumping out at you? Do you wouldn't mind going to next? Oh, I'm, I'm open to whatever. If people want to send in some suggestions, maybe something a bit off the beaten track that's not as as mainstream as The Rock and and this one? Well, I've got a suggestion for you that came in from a listener. And the mainstream thing is is already a a bone of contention here. But you had mentioned earlier on that you loved horror. And this guy said, would you be any, would you have any interest in doing Silence of the Lambs? And I thought, ah, now you see, that might be a very good one for us. Uh, what do you think? Cause it's, it, again, it's one that everybody's seen. So in our 
a stated goal here of, of doing movies that are comparatively populist and well known for the first few episodes until we get our feet under ourselves here. I thought that actually that's a good shout. Uh, I don't know what do you think. I'm I'm well up for that. I love that film. Definitely, definitely. Let's do that one next then. Top. Excellent. Right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. That was Dave Hendrick, Ogden, Trev Denny. That was Predator for Buzz Podcast. And we'll see you again very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.